Louis Vuitton umbrella when I walk through the rain in the kitchen with the chicken kind of bread like kind good. Got a Mexican liquor like Johnny Dine, he deep muddy water stick, carry my kite. Right pocket got money, lift pocket coke. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, 877-37-GRIND. All right, before we leave the NBA, because we spent a lot of time on the NBA today, got news popping off, especially you had some history last night with the scoring situation. Uh, but you had some other games that went on. Excuse me. Went on. The Celtics were able to be victorious last night over the Mavs. One night. Uh, excuse me. One nineteen to one ten. Uh, Tatum dropped thirty eight. Uh, and 11 and Luka chipped in with 33 18 rebounds and 13 assists uh, same thing with the Mavs they're going nowhere until they get committed defensively uh, especially against marquee teams like that um, you know Kyrie Irving and, and Luka they can score with the best of them but really it's about stops and I'll keep saying this their head coach Jason Kidd I'm kind of disappointed because Jason Kidd has like three or four all defensive first teams so that's really where the Mavericks I mean they've played well they've gone through some laws but when they play good teams they really, when it's time to, you know, get stops or whatever, they're very challenged in that. So they took a loss last night. Um, also, the Nuggets tonight, the Denver Nuggets, the defending champs, they're on the road tonight with the Pacers. That's an interesting game because, you know, the Nuggets are coming off of uh, – a huge win last weekend against Boston because they gave Boston their first home loss. And, you know, Denver, you know, starting off the season, you know, considering the championship hangover, what is it possible? Their biggest issue was really trying to play great on the road. And I think every time that they get a road test uh, from here going out, you know, again, in the um, – 76er situation they were they kind of fell short with that uh just about a week or two ago but they bounced back on the road with Boston and had their first loss so that's an interesting game tonight with the Nuggets also the Clippers uh are hosting the Lakers they're just going across the street in the hallway on that when they play tonight and as well there's rumors floating around that LA could be involved in a trade involving a big player and they threw out the name of Trey Young, which I think Trey Young's name is getting floated around a couple places. I know there was rumors surfing here at San Antonio if he would come back and play here or not come back, but come here to play. Never bought that in. But it sounds like to me where there's smoke to fire. The main thing about the reason why I'm bringing that up is because the Lakers. Um, this is another one as we talk about, you know, the firing of Milwaukee. You know, the Lakers down there is kind of like. The media and everything is kind of looking at Darvin Ham a little crooked-eyed, too, as well. Because when you look at the Lakers and where they're at, they just have not been able to get any continuity and consistency and wins. And, you know, the nights that LeBron does take off, which hasn't been too many, they really struggle. And I've said this before with Anthony Davis. Uh, when If you took LeBron off this particular team and they didn't make any trades at the deadline, and everything had to rely on Anthony Davis, whether he could get this team in the playoffs. He couldn't do it. Not the way it's structured right now. And that's disappointing because that was the whole plan of Maverick Carter and the boys when they went ahead and put a dime in his ear and convinced him to try to get out of the 504 and come into play in La La Land. So uh, to me, they've got the Clippers tonight. The Clippers have been playing well um, of late. I, you know, I keep trying to give the flowers you can to Tyron Lue. Uh, he's doing a good job. But again, the Clippers, they're going to be judged by in the postseason. 
you know, as long as, as the same thing as the guy that they acquired in James Harden. Everything they do, I think I, Kawhi is having almost like an MVP type year, in my opinion. He's balling. They've played more minutes together, him and Paul George, than they ever have since they showed up in L.A. Uh, together. But they've got the Lakers tonight, so that's going to be an interesting game as well. Uh, the Golden State Warriors held their first practice yesterday uh, after the uh, passing of Dijon, their assistant coach. Um, Steve Kerr met with the media, uh, just said, hey, you know, it's been difficult. It's been a tough week. Um, he thinks that, you know, he's even had to consult with some of his mentors in regards to how to handle that. I mean, when you go and you see somebody take their last breath, pretty much have a heart attack, a massive heart attack at a team dinner, that's going to affect uh, your humans. So that's going to affect you. But Steve just said, hey, we're going to try to honor him. He's going to he told us, hey, he, if he was here, he'd probably tell us to go win an effing ball game. We need to win an effing ball game. So, again, this is just when we talk about the um, dynasty run of the Golden State Warriors. Um, they're definitely on the back end of, I would say, and I, and I put this in a window of about the last three or four years, really four years, really. Um, they're really in the back end of really dealing with some major adversity uh, in regards that has hit this franchise. It's one thing after another. I mean, this is a death situation that's unexpected. You can't really control that. Uh, we all don't have a choice when we leave this earth. Uh, but you mix that in with the Draymond Green drama, and then you mix it in kind of with the contract talks with Clay, and then you mix it in with him missing two years because of an injury. Um, you know, then you mix it in with trading off or giving up on the number former number two overall pick. Uh, they definitely have gone through some adversity and, and the Jordan Poole situation with that. So I feel like this is really going to test them. I think, you know, that suspension that Draymond had, it, it, it was a lengthy one. He's back now. They're probably trying to, you know, put him in the fold. But it's going to be interesting to me how this team responds in the second half of the season. I don't have them as a championship team, but at the same breath, I'm never going to throw dirt uh, on the grave of Steve Kerr and Stephen Curry as long as those two's there but I just don't have them as a championship team this year but they're definitely going through it uh, we had a trade today speaking of trade rumors uh, we had the Heat who traded Kyle Lowry all right to the um, Hornets for Terry Rozier um, Terry Rozier look there's one thing about it and, and again, it goes with any it, it goes with sports, any any sport. Um, Terry Rozier is everything the Miami Heat are about. And there's one thing about Pat Riley um, and Eric Spolstra. They call it heat culture and they call it, you know, everybody has something they look for, depending on how they want to build their franchise. Um, and everybody has a saying or has a phrase, this is the type of team we want to build. This is the type of culture. There's very few that actually can go out and do it and do it consistently. The Miami Heat have done it consistently. I, I think that's the reason why Coach Bo got his extension he did a few weeks ago. And I also believe that when you look at every player, even the kid out of UCLA, a Heat guy, you know, just everything about the Heat. Terry Rozier, the grittiness um defense you know of course he's in charlotte and he falls by the wayside because charlotte's terrible um but that just when i saw that i'm like pat riley the heat's done it again now, i don't know if the heat are going to be able to duplicate their run they had last year to go make it to the finals but i feel that they when the dust settles they're going to be a tough out in the east like usual on the flip side of this cal lowry 
Uh, you know, a guy that's definitely on the 17th tee of his career. Um, he's dealt with some injuries in the last couple years. Um, he's won a championship with Toronto. I anticipate, it hasn't been reported yet, but when I see these, it anticipates to me that he's going to be bought out by the Hornets. I, I don't I don't see uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, if he does play a game, I don't see him playing that many games, but I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. I would be shocked if this isn't a situation where this is a buyout. Hornets are a lottery team. Kyle Lowry probably to make the numbers work. Casualty, you know, been dealing with hamstring stuff like that in the last couple of years. And I definitely think that the Heat and Pat Riley made an opportunity to see how they could upgrade. And they chose to make that decision to go ahead and upgrade. Um, so you have that going on. Um, so that's a trade. And again, we've about about what? About maybe three, four weeks away from the trade deadline. When I mean, we're about to get into February, it usually comes about the middle of February. About two or three. About weeks. two or three weeks. Um, and again, you just look at uh, before we trans- transition into the National Football League, you just look at the teams that are going to be contending teams, and who are the teams that are really going to be aggressive but not overly aggressive, or who's really going to stay pat. And I've told you, I, I think, you know. I think the 76ers probably should look at making a move. And I think that uh, now I even, you know, well, Milwaukee's making a big move. They're making a coaching move. But if I look at the teams in the East that I look at that probably really needs to, that could be a threat to Boston to come out the East when I look at Philly, I would look at Philly as being one of those teams in the East uh, that probably needs to make a move uh, before it's all said and done. On the West side of things, uh, the obvious is probably the Lakers. Uh, they are probably going to need to do something. You know, they you got it. You know, Rob Palenka last year, this was headed south around this time last year. It was a horrible run. And the next thing you know, he made some moves. And Katie bar the door, they made a run. So we'll see. But I think definitely the Lakers are looking at probably a team, that, in my opinion, uh, looking at it, that probably is going to have to do something uh, at the break. Uh, February 8th is the deadline. February 8th. Because uh, I'm not taking the Lakers in a four out of seven against the team they're playing tonight. Speaking of the Clippers, if Clippers are all on deck. Um, I'm not, I think, honestly, I think the Lakers, the Duggets are a bad matchup for the Lakers, in my opinion. Um, and the only way that would change is if they would make a move at the trade deadline. But those are some of the news and notes. But Terry Rozier, I mean, the, him going to the Heat, that spells everything about Miami. He's all about uh, his style of play, what he brings to the table. They know about identifying their guys and kind of going after them. What do you got? And then around the NBA kind of look there, you touched on the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard, and you mentioned he's having an MVP-type season. Currently sitting plus 15,000 MVP odds. Yeah. So there's not a lot of respect for that that thought. Do you feel like that's value or... I, mean, I think we're, it's. We're I getting think, ready to make a trip out to Vegas. Yeah, I th- right. I, <laughs> I think. Like, do I, I need to? Do I need to put put a little uh, extra in the bankroll? Well, I think honestly, um, I, I think it's a little bit off and disrespect a little bit because the season that he is having. Um, I just feel like you know he's having an MVP type of season. Do I think he's going to win the MVP? No. Um, you know, uh, sometimes you go into eras and you fall in eras where the MVP is being duped out by about two individuals in the league. And right now we're probably to that point to where you can say you've got maybe three 
um, duking it out that going to be in rotation for the next couple years. And that's, you know, the Djokovic, Joker out in the Maha City in Denver. Uh, that's Embiid uh, in the 76ers. And that's the Greek Freak in Giannis. Um, those are three that are going to circulate. So, I mean, Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi would have to put it this way. If he stays the way that I've seen him play, and the Clippers, what seed are they right now? What seed are the Clippers? Um, if they could find a way uh, to manifest and let's say lock down and get maybe to the one seed. Clippers right now are fourth. Okay. It, uh, they, they're two games back of the, the Timberwolves atop the West. Yeah, they would have to. I think if they would have to get the number one seed in the West, um, you know, national televised games help with that, and the Clippers are not short of having uh, any. They've got quite a bit. I think you have to have that rep- uh, recipe to really get him in a situation where he would be considered uh, being like a MVP candidate. But I just feel like he's having a it's an MVP feel with Kawhi, and maybe it's just his availability. I mean, they, you know, uh, best abilities availability, as they say, and just because he's uh, on pace of playing more games in the regular season than I thought I'd ever see him play. Uh, going forward um also what else we got before we leave the nba Cavs. uh tristan thompson suspended for 25 games uh due to drug use uh we don't know what i don't know exactly what the specifics are uh you know is this what kind of drug test fell we know it's not for perform enhancing because i think they would say maybe it is but i think they're putting it out as drug use so um just tough situation uh with the Cavs. i mean he's He's a guy that puts in some minutes off the bench and stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, I know more of Tristan showing up with the Kardashians still in their life and Chloe more than I know him or really what he puts in on an NBA court every night. Uh, but that's kind of what's going on in the NBA. Uh, transitioning to the NFL uh, real quick in the last couple of seconds we got with you today. Uh, we've got another vacancy filled uh, in the football arena. We've got the Titans are working on uh, a deal to make Brian Callahan uh, their head coach. Uh, Brian Callahan has spent some time uh, with Joe Burrow the last few years. Uh, we know what the Cincinnati Bengals uh, have looked like offensively. And to bring it up, because this is the second one, I'm going to keep bringing up this. Um, he spent some time in Denver, too, years ago. And um, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because to keep pointing out, despite, you know, my, my guy, which I love him, Bronco 60 telling me, hey, you know what you're talking about. I keep bringing this up because it just shows you when you can have a great and you can have a great running. But if you don't have accountability, somebody to answer to all of a sudden there's good minds and decent minds that leave out the building. That should maybe never get out, but it's so much stuff and so much cluttered junk going on. It's hard to see that, you know, where they say you can't see the forest from the trees. Uh, so Tennessee has found their guy. Uh, to me, this is kind of like, I don't know about an under the radar signing, but this is definitely not a guy that I think that had a lot of momentum coming in this season. But evidently there's some ties. All it takes is some guy to know this guy. And they're always, hey, I worked with him. Or I know him. Let's bring him in. It could be somebody totally off the radar that the experts and all the uh, insiders don't have on the radar, but that's how the, uh, you know, the NFL works. So um, he's going to be uh, taking that job, Brian Callahan. So he's going to be walking in to take over uh, what Mike Vrabel had at Tennessee. What do you For what it's worth, Callahan hasn't been with the Broncos for about a decade, but no, but that's where these problems and, started and, though. And back, that's what I'm talking then about. He was, um, 
an offensive assistant, yeah. assistant quarterbacks coach, mm. and then he went off to be quarterbacks coach in mm. Cincy with the Lions. Do you, but but when you say about a decade ago, do you think like it puts when you when you win a title and you go eight years or seven years without making the playoffs? It it it's some work put into that. There's a reason why they made history. There's a reason why they're the only team that's ever done that. Because it can go back a decade to where, and in a decade ago, what did they didn't have? They didn't have no ownership. It was just starting a legal battle and everything going on then. So, to me, yes, I know it's been a while, but he, I, I forgot my other man's name that came across the radar, but he's another one. And I, and again, it's 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 fair question because at the time, whether he was just an intern or this and this, but all of it, look at what the Cincinnati Bengals have done in the last three years offensively. Okay, you can say it's just because of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase or vice versa, but there's somebody that built that offense. There's somebody calling those plays, you know, in general. Um, so, props to him. Uh, we haven't, I haven't heard from the uh, the the board member of the Tennessee Titans and Adam Lagoria how he feels about this. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he'll chime in at some point down the road to let us know what he feels about that hiring. Uh, when we get back, the Philadelphia Eagles are continuing to make moves and, and remove furniture and move furniture around. We'll talk about that. And the NFL divisional round dominates still in viewership numbers. I want to talk about that, too, before we get out of here. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos with me. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports crime. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spin the one and twos. Today's show was presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. We have been broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this last segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Zing Zang. Two words, a key to any perfect cocktail, and that is Zing Zang. Make sure you try out all their pre-made alcoholic drinks. They come in multiple different flavors. But whatever you do, don't forget to Zing Zang responsibly. That's Zing Zang, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 
All right. So before we get out of here, uh, I know we've spent a lot of time on NBA, but we're getting to that point where NBA is going to start to, you know, dominate the show a little bit. Uh, you know, we're about to crown a champion here over the next few weeks in football. So get used to that on the program. Uh, but transitioning to some NFL notes that I wanted to talk about. Um, besides the Tennessee Titans making a hire, uh, we have the Eagles. Uh, who have fired offensive coordinator Brian Johnson. And according to ESPN and some other reports, they are expected to part ways with defensive coordinator Sean Diesel, uh, excuse me, Sean Desai and Matt Patricia. Um, now, the head coach, Dick Sirianni, and Jeffrey Lure, the owner, we're supposed to have a press conference today. I don't know if they had that or not because I've been out of uh, the loop today in regards to who's watching press conferences and sports coverage. But I don't know if that's happened today or not. Uh, but it was really, to, I guess, to go ahead and explain these you know, moves, but also to reassure that Nick is coming back for another year. Um, same thing. I I've said this before. When you start firing coordinators, when you – I mean, this was a collapse – by the Eagles. I mean, they collapsed the NFC East division lead um, and they just collapsed. I mean, the way they started off, I mean, this team was what, 10 and two at one time before they went on the slide. Um, you, you start as a coach. And this is another thing that is like, you get into situations and this, this shows you why that's why some veteran coaches and Nick is still a young coach. Um, he's only going in. He's only been a head coach now for about three years. He just completed his third year. Uh, so he'll be going into his fourth year. Um, you have veteran coaches sometimes when they're put in these situations, they'll sit there and say, fire me because I'm not firing my assistant coaches. Now, I can't remember if Nick Sirianni got to pick his coaching staff or not, but I know for sure it usually happens when a coach gets to pick their coaching staff so due to the fact that these guys are fired and we'll see who's coming in to replace them to me that just shows again this is the last opportunity that we're going to see if this season was just a one-off because because to me it was really they missed two important pieces to their coaching staff in their offensive coordinator okay and Steichen, and their defensive coordinator that went to Arizona. Um, they really just missed them. And now it's to the point to where they're going to figure out, like, all right, Nick, is this a one-off? Um, are you going to be able to right the ship and go back and recapture the NFC East and get us back to an opportunity to play in a Super Bowl, which is the NFC Conference Championship game. Because that roster is still one of the top two rosters or three rosters in the National Football League. Um, I think some of their demise, I've said it, been saying it for months, I think some of their demise had to do a lot with the health of Jalen Hurts. Um, but we'll see. But I always pay attention to when you start firing coordinators like that, and especially on both sides of the ball, 
clock's ticking. And, and, and it's crazy because it just shows and it proves my point even more. This day and time in professional sports, especially the NFL, you just, those four years and five years, even if you made it to a Super Bowl, came up short or made it to a con- them days are over, man. It, it, it's just not saying it's fair, but that's just the reality that we sit in. Um, also, uh, I talked about a little bit going to the break. The NFL divisional round games dominated in ratings. Um, listen to these numbers. The Chiefs and Bills did 50.3 million in viewership last week. Okay, this past weekend. Last year's divisional round, Dallas versus the 49ers, drew 45.6 million. So that's an increase by a few million. Now, what's crazy is that you don't, I mean, those are two of maybe the three or four biggest brands in the National Football League, the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers. And due to the fact that Buffalo and Kansas City was able to surpass that, it's pretty impressive. And that shows, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, the NBA Finals, the World Series, would love to get a fraction of that. For their, for for their, for, I'm talking about this. This isn't a division. This ain't the Super Bowl. This ain't for the whole enchilada. This ain't a conference. Champ. This is a divisional round that they drew. A matchup in the NFL drew 50.3 million viewers. What do you got? Well, I mean, that's why the NFL is going to feed it to us year after year. Because uh, the, for this one, it was the quarterbacks. You talk about how teams market the players more than the franchises. Mm-hmm. This, watching this game was purely about two things. It was first off about the two quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. This is, this is Brady versus Manning. Mm-hmm. All right, We've touched on that before uh, a couple of years ago when, when they were first starting to sell it to us as that. And you wanted to pause the brakes. And now it's officially become that. Arguably, for a ticket to the Super Bowl is how many will view that game. Um, you know, the Ravens definitely deserve their opportunity and the, their time in the sun. But casual fan is going to say, no, it's Patrick Mahomes and, and, and Josh Allen. And then on the other side of that, it goes back to the, what, the two years ago. That the caused the whole uh, us to restructure the way that we go to overtime in the playoffs. It's... it's that's that game and the and the marketing and the conversation and the media coverage just constantly drew on that specific game in their in their history to say this is why we need this one well i think that uh, well look i i get to what you're saying there's some truth to that um what's going to be interesting to me though is you know when you have um I mean, look at this matchup this this coming up weekend. I mean, Detroit and the 49ers. I mean, there's people that's been fans of Detroit since never seen this in their life. And they, I mean, they ain't never seen them go to a conference championship game, and they're one of the teams on a very short list that's never played for a Super Bowl. Uh, so I can imagine you and the 49ers is a brand, I mean, and a good, again, because of the late Tech Stram who came up with the America's team. Um. Sometimes it get lost in the shuffle on how some of how big some of these other brands are. And the 49ers have a, a nationwide brand. So if you mix that in with Detroit of just history, are we really believe in this? You know, or is is Doc going to show up and tell Marty to get back into DeLorean and this is just all a dream? 
I imagine those numbers are going to be very similar. But I do feel that you're right, that when it comes down to the Josh Allen effect and it comes down to the Patrick Mahomes, you can get those kind of numbers. And you got um, the Swifties. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, to me. I, I mean, saw one of those, uh, a girl walking around uh, a grocery store the other day with the NFL logo and it had Taylor's version on it, written on it. was a, It was a it produced sweatshirt. Like, it was not uh, a screen printing at home kind of deal. That was a... Uh, I just think to me the problem is it's just enough with the showing. I get it. I, I saw it was funny. I saw one meme that had Lamar Jackson. They had a picture and said, "This is the last man to keep us from a Taylor Swift Super Bowl, uh, the last man standing." Um, you know, yeah. It's like, come on, man. I mean, you're just showing. You're steadily panning up there. It's like enough already. Okay, but yeah, we get it. Um, but no, those are I, I brought that up because look, man, in the day of force feed of streaming, the days of uh, you know what do you want to call cable cord cutters and all that kind. Of, I mean, those are some good numbers. I, I like I said, other professionals would like to have their championship game, the finals in the World Series, get a fraction of that. Okay, get a fraction. Now that too, which I will tell you, was contributed at. Besides of just what you say is the influx of legalized gambling in multiple different states across this country as well, too. More people got heat and action on the game, so that draws attention even more. That's why that Super Bowl number and that's why that Super Bowl is always considered the one. Of the, other than that, and March Madness are the two most bet, betting events uh, in this country. Um, also, we've got, I guess, coming into the Bears have made uh, uh, OC hiring. Who did they go get? Yeah, and it's not going to be Coach Bro. Okay. So that makes you wonder now. And then I asked the other week when we talked about Kingsbury interviewing or reportedly interviewing with the Bears, how much that was really uh, maybe a ploy or how serious they were about that, looking at Caleb Williams as the, as the first overall pick. Uh, but they've hired Shane Waldron, who served for the last three years as the offensive coordinator out there in Seattle. Mm. And it's official. It's on their website. So I don't know about that one. I, that one smells like, um, you know, I, I ain't going to say the homeboy hookup, but I mean, what is Seattle? I mean, they haven't lit it up anywhere in the last few years offensively. Um, not, and I'm not trying, I'm not saying that because I feel like Cliff Kingsbury, she got the job. But um, well, per the report, uh, Waldron's offense in Seattle uh, ranked third in yards per touch, third in big plays passing, fifth in completion percentage, eighth in yards per reception, and tenth in passing touchdowns. Offense also ranked first in turnovers, second interceptions, and fifth in interception percentage. Uh, one point nine percent. I, 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 nah, it still doesn't. I mean, a lot of those numbers, I mean, could be. I, I just look at really, you know, it's a, yeah, I don't know about that one. We'll see how he does. But I, I think if, you, if you're if you Chicago and, you know, whether you're going to stay with Justin Fields or you're going to draft a quarterback at number one, um, I, you know, I would probably look to see there got to be somebody else that maybe had some history of developing the quarterback at the quarterback position. I mean, because this is a big transition time for Chicago. This isn't just about getting a guy that can generate big plays or points. per game. This is about your offensive court. If you're going to stay pat as the head coach, which they are, okay, you've got to really like – 
Uh, and this could go on to be great. I mean, Chicago could end up having the number two, three overall office next year. I don't know. I'm just calling it right now the way I see it. You've got to come in, I believe, in my opinion, with a little bit more pizzazz than that. Somebody that can show you like, hey, I've been around this quarterback and look at him. How in the hell do y'all think that Steichen got the job in, in Indy? It was because he spent some time with Hibbert and he spent some time with Jalen Hurts and everybody sipped the Kool-Aid like he had everything to do with those two developments and those two dudes were studs when they were coming out. But that's kind of what I'm on the line of, of talking or, or saying. This is another uh, branch of the McVay tree, which of course comes from the Shanahan mm, mm, uh, maple, if you will. Mm. Um, he started out in the NFL as qual- uh, uh, offensive quality control coach. In 2016, with the Commanders, when McVeigh was the OC there. Uh, yeah, so. I'll tell you this: uh, as you bring that up, that fun fact up, I know I sit here and make examples of who was in Denver's organization ten years ago or five years ago or whatever. But if you go look at that Commanders list a few years about those offensive minds and stuff that was coach cape like head coach material that was on that sideline at one time, it shows you and proved to you how bad of an owner Daniel Snyder was just how bad okay I think at one time of one year they had like I said it was it was it was Kyle it was it was McVeigh uh it was uh McDaniels I mean they had all them dudes in meeting rooms in that building in the nation's capital um and you would swear that they were trying to clean the swamp and just came by and clean washed and they ran them all off but um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. We're still waiting for the commanders to uh, make their hire, which I heard Ron Revere is supposed to be interviewing for possibly the defensive coordinator position at the Eagles. Okay. I, you know, look, Ron's a good person. That's the reason why it's hard for me to continue to bang on him. But what defense in the last few years has Ron Revere? I mean, he's had a lot of number one, he like, draft picks on that D-line. And when's the last time Washington has ranked anywhere in the top three defensively? But was that him um, calling the defense, though? Uh, he appointed his old buddy, his biker buddy, old Jack Del Rio. Good old boy network. So it was Jack. At the end of the day, like, he didn't make a decision to switch on from that. He never wanted to step up and take over defensive play calling. I just think that they've underachieved with the talent that Washington has so-called had on the defensive ball. That's all. He's not getting the job. It has reported, but it's going to be reported that he's going to interview uh, for it possibly as well, too. So what do you think if you're the Bears, you can go back to Caleb Williams' camp now and sell them on, on, on this Waldron hire? Uh, what, what kind of impact do you feel this has on what they're doing in the first overall pick? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's still up for grabs. I mean, I think that, you know, um, I, look, I, 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 in my opinion about the Chicago Bears, I still don't know if they know 100% at this time where we're at what they're going to do. I really don't. I think they're having discussions. Uh, and when I say what they're going to do, whether they're going to ride with Justin Fields, because I think they are going to listen to offers for Justin Fields. I mean, they've got some time. And then if they don't get what they like, uh, they can sit there and say, hey, you know what? We might as well stick with them or move on from we're taking number one. I think regardless of what Caleb Williams wants to do, um, he's not the only quarterback that's coming out in this draft. I'm just convinced to this point to where, again, I've said this a hundred times. I see it makes sense on both sides, whether you say keep Justin Fields, build around him, get about four or five starters in this draft, but also like in life, everyday life, financial decisions rule at the top of all decisions we make in our lives. It usually results down to money. And I think this is an opportunity uh, to reset um, it's a cheap organization. It's been cheap. 
And I feel that it's one of those that that is going to be too enticing for management, upper management to sit there and say, do we pay and not know 100 percent what we have in Justin Fields and pay him 180 to two? Or do we get this guy, whether it be Kayla Williams, Drake May or whoever, on a four year rookie deal? And I think that's the direction we're going. So um, we'll see. I'm pretty sure they'll be asked that question when they introduce him or they talk to him or the media to address about, hey, how serious was it with Cliff Kingsbury? But we'll see. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, one other note I wanted to put out there before we add it out here. C.J. Stroud, who just came off of uh, losing in the divisional round, he made a, uh, a big donation uh, to the University of Ohio State uh, actually becoming one of the first former players to make a donation. And I forgot, there's a technical term for it, but really what it is, it's an NIL pot, okay? And it got me to start thinking like, damn, man, like this is like, you know, this is definitely changed. Because I know Ohio, they have like platinum donorship. They've got this level. And I think it was like 50000 100000 he donated to. But guys who leave like programs like this, now we're going to be on the verge of now you're getting donors from these guys. See, normally when we talk about donors, we think about, you know, um, quote unquote, what they call jock sniffers, guys that basically have gone on to make wealth, love the program. It's their alma mater. Now we're getting former guys, especially quarterbacks, guys that have played there. Now we're getting those dudes not even a year or so removed, dumping money in. And that, to me, also raises the level of really where college, you know, kind of like, how do you compete? I mean, how are you going to compete? The guys that are just sitting there at the universities, that's just sitting there treading water. But CJ said, hey, man, I had a hell of a season. I'm going to go ahead and donate an amount of money, probably just playoff bonus money, and I'm going to put it to Ohio State so they can go out and find the next CJ Stroud. So it's definitely a lot of things changing on a lot of different multiple levels when it comes to the college scene in general. Um Let's see what else. I think I got to everything that I kind of wanted to get to today for the most part um, on the docket. Tomorrow, we'll kind of look at the uh, midline report to see if any of those lines have moved for the conference championship weekend. Uh, we'll start talking a little bit more about the matchups. We'll recap what NBA action uh, has take place tonight. We'll keep it moving on tomorrow's hump day edition. But for today, that is a wrap. Special thanks to the producer of the show, Jonas Clark, San Antonio. El Paso, Abilene, Lubbock, people in the Mile High City in Denver, Colorado, people up in Tyler, people in the Shaw City, and people down the whole 305 South Florida region. When that alarm goes off tomorrow morning for you, the snooze button for you out the rack, just ask yourself. You're grinding. Peace. See you tomorrow. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. 
Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you. Cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 